You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast with Brady Trantham and Madison Morris. The best place for OKC Thunder basketball. A part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the OKC82 Podcast. This is your host, Brady Trantham, and with me, as always, is Miss Madison Morris. Madison, that was a boring game. It was very boring. <laughs> very, very boring. Very low scoring. Yeah, it was um, in the age of in the age of the NBA where games are one thirty five to one twenty nine. The Thunder and the Cleveland Cavaliers met, you know, pregame and decided let's just make it look like a early two thousands, late nineties basketball game. <laughs> the uh, exactly, Thund- yeah, the Thunder win ninety five eighty six. It's their sixth straight or their sixth straight win. After starting the year off 0-4, I believe that they are the Thunder have the second-best winning streak in the NBA currently right now. Um, yeah, just just a bad game shooting-wise for both teams. I mean, the, th- the Thunder shooting splits um, 42%, um, 26% from three, 70% from the free-throw line, which is an improvement. <laughs> that's, that's, that's an improvement. And the, the Cavs weren't, weren't much prettier. It was 38 or 37%. 29% and 85% from the free throw line. It was just a poorly played game. It was a sloppy game. Um, but for the Thunder, Dennis Schroeder had one. Mm-hmm. Den- there were some weird stat lines in this game. Dennis Schroeder had a weird stat line with 28 points and no assists. Nerlens Noel with uh, a stat line I pointed out. No points, no rebounds, but four blocks and two steals. It just Just an overall weird game. Yeah, it was a pretty weird game, and like I said, kind of starting off, Thunder started off super slow, but so did the Cavs. It was just like an overall slow start to the game. No real shot was made until the ten forty three mark, and I mean, that was Dennis making a two, except for Steven putting up one free throw point. It was just kind of weird, and I don't know, it didn't really even feel like a game that the Thunder and the Cavs would be conjuring up. You know, this these are two pretty notable programs and I mean I guess (laughs) no more LeBron in Cleveland so it's not exactly that much of an excitement I actually noted the Quicken Loans Arena was absolutely morose tonight they were just so dead they didn't really want to be there they golf clapped the entire time until the Cavs kind of went on a run there at the end but yeah overall just a really weird game and scoring and I agree with you on some weird stat lines yeah, the Cavs definitely not, <laughs> definitely not in the hunt for the playoffs at all. A team that no. s- some people, some people going into the year thought could actually contend for the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. With you know, when you're left with guys like Kevin Love, um, J.R. Smith, um, you know, there Larry Nance, there is some talent on that team on a team that has been deep to the playoffs and to the finals for uh, so many year, um, so many consecutive years was a team that a lot some people thought could contend but yeah 1 and 9 going into the game i believe they're 1 and 10 now or mm-hmm. vice versa they might be 1 and 9 now i don't have it right in front of me but yeah it was definitely yeah, yeah. it was definitely a game i thought the thunder needed to win because you knew going into tonight that russell westbrook wasn't going to play um and for all for all we know and kind of the prevailing thought is he's probably not going to play tomorrow night in Oklahoma City. And I know Houston has been struggling, and they may be short Eric Gordon. James Harden is still kind of coming back from his hamstring in- injury that made him sit down for a few games, and Mello has just been kind of OKC Mello, i.e. not very good. <laughs> so the And I know the Rockets, you know, they're 
a little bit, you know, under underperforming at this point, but they're still the Houston Rockets. So I thought tonight was a game the Thunder could have easily lost a trap game uh, with Cleveland losing so many games and the Thunder going on the first game of the back-to-back without Russell. So if you if you look at it from that perspective, it was a really it was a really good win for this team. Um, and obviously, you know, putting themselves in an 0-4 hole to start the year, it was a big win. Yeah, you have to look at the Cavs, though, and say, I mean, they went on an 0-6 start, and they lost their head coach, Tyron Liu. So, I mean, that I, I think that would put any kind of team in a funk. And it certainly did that for the Cavs. And kind of like you said, they don't really have any stars left. I mean, J.R. Smith. Yeah, he's J.R. Smith. There was one point he airballed a three, though, and I couldn't help but just laugh because it was the most J.R. Smith thing ever. But, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Colin Sexton making his first career start as a rookie, and he was the one who came out with the most points. I think he ended with, what, 18? Or, no, 15. 15 points, 7 to 14 from the field, 1 for 2 from three-point line, finished with only an assist. There weren't... You know, there weren't a lot of assists to go around this game. The the Cavs somehow ended up with 17. The Thunder ended up with 10. Um, yeah, it, like like we like we've been saying, it, it wasn't. It just wasn't a pretty game. Paul George finishes with 18 points. Was seven of 16 from the field, uh, but didn't really look comfortable all evening, especially when he was trying to get to into the paint. Didn't really want to get to the rim and deal with the physicality of Tristan Thompson and Larry Nance. It seemed like. Um, so it just kind of all rested on Dennis Schroeder's shoulders, and he really paid dividends for the Thunder. 11 of 19 from the field, uh, 6 of 8 from the free throw line, 28 points, 7 rebounds, no assists. And <laughs> if you're not going to have any assists, then you are not. You better not be turning the ball over. And he only turned the ball over two times, registered a steal. So uh, season high for Dennis Schroeder uh, was probably the reason the Thunder were able to win this game. Um, yeah, it <laughs> this game was just this game was just ugly. It it wasn't a good it wasn't a good it was defensive it, it wasn't a good defensive battle. It it wasn't a a battle of like, you know, it wasn't a chess match out there with co- with the coaches putting out certain matchups that screwed up with the other teams uh players on the floor. It was just a bunch of bad misses, a bunch of bad offensive sets that resulted in turnovers. I mean, let's see. But, the Cavs had 19 turnovers. Oklahoma City has 12. Not that bad for the Thunder. Uh, the Thunder have 21 points off of those 19 turnovers. Um, yeah. I mean, the Thunder did what they what they have been doing, forcing turnovers and, and scoring in transition. And, again, if not for Dennis Schroeder, who by far had the best night of any Thunder player, if not for Dennis Schroeder, the Thunder could have easily lost this game. Yeah, and it's just kind of weird because I think it was the Wizards game. The Thunder had broken 100 points before the third quarter even ended, and they didn't even break 100 tonight at all. And that's just kind of weird to me because uh, Michael and Chris were saying that the Cavs are one of the worst defending teams in the league. So this was a little bit of some ugly basketball tonight, and it's pretty sad when I think it was a goal call by Tristan Thompson secured the Thunder win tonight. So... Yeah, it was just, it was kind of weird, but you have to take your hat off to Dennis Schroeder. He's so good at stepping into the role of Russell Westbrook when Russ is out, and he just came out firing. He doesn't have any kind of hesitation. He takes a lot of easy shots. He has such a good composure about when he's on the court, and I personally really enjoy watching this guy play, and I think he really just does a lot for the Thunder team, even when, you know, without their star and without their leader, but yeah, 
just good for Dennis, and he was re- he was just really putting the offense in his hands tonight. Shout out to my boy Spencer Davies, who I met at um, summer um, NBA Summer League this past July. Does a really good job covering the Cleveland Cavaliers for B-Ball Insiders and Close Up 360. Uh, give him a follow, guys. Uh, but he just he just said on Twitter about a minute ago that J.R. Smith had an open uh, Coors Light bottle in the post game in one in one of it in one hand tonight. So. <laughs> Yeah, poor Jr. Poor Jr. <laughs> er- he had quite the temper tantrum out there tonight. Did you see that? Yeah, or uh, it looked like the Thunder were going to get the ball back off of um, a Paul George, where he clearly loses the ball out of bounds. Oh, Jr. Yeah. Smith kind of loses it for like a, he a split loses second, it. Oh, and the my officials gosh. overturn the call. Yeah, I mean it was clearly off of Paul George. I can kind of understand Jr. there, and it was a pretty tight game at that point. I can't remember what the score was, but. Um, yeah, it seemed like the Thunder had a, a 16 point lead midway through the third quarter, um, or like close, kind of close to the end of the third quarter. And then Schroeder goes out and Raymond Felton comes in. He, he hits a bucket. I think he gets two buckets. He hits a deep, he hits a deep non-paint two, which I'm sure made Billy Dahman extremely happy. And <laughs> I think he got a floater to fall. And then after that, he I think he took two more shots that resulted in misses, and those two shots resulted mm-hmm. on the other end, a J.R. Smith three and a Kyle Korver off one foot in the corner, kind of behind the rim, garbage three. That brought the Cavs back and gave them life in, in, in the game, and it really looked like at that point that the Thunder probably were going to lose the game the way it was going. And then Schroeder comes back comes back out. The offense gets settled, settled in. Schroeder gets to the rim, gets some buckets to fall. And the Thunder are able to kind of escape Cleveland with a win. But I think tonight really showed you how important the, the Dennis Schroeder trade for Oklahoma City um, is going to be. Because for years, this team, I mean, even even with Kevin Durant, uh, the final year without Kevin Durant, where um, the backup point guard was Randy Foy in the playoffs uh, behind Russell Westbrook. This team has always struggled. When Russell Westbrook gets off the floor, it's like the Thunder have a they have to have a completely different mindset on offense, obviously, because they don't have a, a point guard like Russell Westbrook back on the floor again. And while Schroeder and Russell have their differences, they're kind of minute here and there, but they are basically the same point guard. Attack first, not mm-hmm. they're attack first. They get to the they like to get to the rim. They're not really great from outside. I think tonight you saw how important Schroeder is going to be for this team because when Russell Westbrook gets off the floor, the Thunder don't have to change anything. They're basically the same team, and they're going to attack you the same way on offense. And if Russell is going to have a game or two where he has to sit out, then I think if you're a Thunder fan, you, you've got to like your chances. I mean, the, the Thunder have one of the best backup point guards in the league, if not the best backup point guard in the league. Yeah, and Dennis did a really good job not only on offense tonight, but he took what I think it was two charges, forcing some offensive fouls on the Cavs. And he's just really good about like sensing where the Cavs are going to be on the court. And he takes it like a champ. He just kind of got mowed over tonight. <laughs> I love the, I think it was the second time he took one. He immediately sat up and just pointed, indicating Thunderball. And yeah. I, just, I, I love that. <laughs> that, was, that was another thing I noticed about this game. There were like four or five charges. Um, yeah, it was, it was just, it felt like a college basketball game in both the score and the way and how many times a charge was going to, was being called. So that was kind of a, this game was just an eyesore. <laughs> a little bit. And, uh, Alex man, not having his way at the three point line. I think he's getting, I don't want to say a little arrogant from behind the arc, but Hey, hey, you know what? And actually I made a, I made a point, I made a point of this to um, talk to you about on this podcast. 
Uh, okay. Abrinas is Abrinas goes three for ten from the three point line. In the past, in the past, we've seen Abrinas if he doesn't hit hit his first shot or his second shot, he gets really timid and he doesn't attack. He doesn't really mm-hmm. do give you anything else on the floor. Um, this year, he's obviously improved his defense. He gave you some good minutes defensively. He ended up playing um, a little over 26 minutes tonight. Um, I think was one for three from the three-point line and then missed three or four three-pointers in a row and hit this really badass, like, just step-back three that he had no business hitting. It, it like mm-hmm. The note that I made was Alex Brinas is only making his most difficult three-pointers because every time he was getting <laughs> set up on the elbow or on the corner wide open, he, it just wasn't falling. But um, And then also on the... On, I think it was our last episode where I kind of complained about um, Paul George taking, you know, eight, nine, ten three pointers a game. And if he's going to hit 40% mm-hmm. of them, then so be it. But there have been games where he's one for nine, oh for 10, like in Charlotte. Uh, I don't like that number. But when it concerns Alex Abrinas, Alex Abrinas is the Thunder's best shooter from deep. I like yeah. his aggressiveness and I like the fact that he didn't get scared. And I like the fact that he didn't think or overthink things. Like the, there was a time where. I think after he missed a three-pointer, he was wide open at one point for a split second and decided to just kind of pull up and move the ball. That's fine. But after that possession, he was still looking for a shot. And I like that from Alex Abrinas. So I really, I really, really think that this this is a completely different Abrinas than we've seen. And it's going to pay dividends for the Thunder because um, when Russell Westbrook comes back, you know, that bench was Schroeder, Abrinas, Patterson, who hit a couple, th- um, who hit, you know, I guess he only hit one three. It was a big three. However, I think it extended mm-hmm. the Thunder's lead after the game was tied in the fourth. Um, you know, th- w- along with uh, Nerlens Noel, that is a great bench. And if you, your guy, if your, you know, second or third guy off the bench, uh, Alex Abrinas, basically shows that he's going to be pretty fearless when it comes to sh- um, shooting the ball and spacing the floor. You're gonna you're gonna take that every night. Three for ten. You know, considering how this game went, it's it's. Obviously, 30% from the three-point line, which isn't good. But the way this game went, uh, that was about as great of a stat line from three as you're going to probably hope for. I know Jeremy Grant goes two for three from the three-point line. That's kind of an anomaly. Jeremy Grant's not a three-point shooter. Yeah, no, and before I transition real quick, I definitely agree with you that Abrinas is the Thunder's bet of making that three-point shot when it's crunch time. Um, I did tweet out, I would love to see the guys look for more pain opportunities before they kind of start chunking them up. Um, Just because, you know, that's been a pretty safe bet for the Thunder so far this season. It's just keeping it in the paint. I just, I don't want a lot of wasted possessions on three pointers that just aren't good or not set up very well. But yeah, I definitely agree that Abrinas is the Thunder's best bet to make those threes. Also wanted to ask you a little bit about Nerlens. I was kind of noticing this. He is having a little bit of some slow offensive games, but he's serving a pretty good, you know, he's pretty useful on defense and he has purpose on defense. And then you have Steven Adams, who is real good about being under that rim and kind of assisting his teammates by tapping the ball. And if the ball is, or if the shots missed, or if it's a little short, a little long. So I wish, per, I mean, personally, I wish Nerlens could be a little bit more well-rounded because if that's the guy that's going to come in for Steven Adams, when Steven Adams goes to the bench, then I think that the Thunder still needs someone who's going to be able to serve a purposeful presence on offense when Steven Adams is not in there. What do you think about that? Well, I kind of get what you're saying. Um, 
the thing about Nerlens is your backup center is not usually going to give you a lot of production offensively. And I, and I hate to throw Raymond Felton under the bus here, but Nerlens Noel is a different player depending on what his point guard on the floor is. If it's Russell Westbrook or Dennis Schroeder, Nerlens Noel is going to make an impact offensively because the lob, the, the, the lob is going to be there. Raymond Felton just cannot, doesn't really look for it. He's, he's a little bit shorter. Doesn't he, basically when Raymond Felton gets to the paint, he's not looking for a lob. He's looking to hit his own shot. And mm-hmm. so the Nerland's not having, I mean, he only, he only attempted one shot. So mm-hmm. it just really wasn't there for him tonight. And, um, like I said, with, uh, um, Abrinas, if you're not going to hit threes, you know, make an impact on defense, Nerland's kind of in the same vein. If you're not going to make an impact on offense, he had four blocks and it seemed like all those blocks were, uh, blocks that ended up turning into turnovers. They were inbounds blocks, uh, two steals. He made an impact. You, it just, it's not as sexy, but in a game like this, it, I mean, nothing's going to going to look good except for Schroeder's, you know, points, points that he scored. Um, but I have to say like, this is a game the Thunder really needed to win. It needed to win. And, and not just because of their ha- They have a sec, they have a back to back tomorrow night in Oklahoma city against the Rockets, but they, they've kind of proven that they can win games in a multitude of ways. They can win games by having a one huge quarter, like against the Clippers. They can win games by just scoring a plethora of points like they did against, did against Phoenix. Uh, they can win a game in a big comeback in the second half, like against Charlotte. And now they've proven that they can win just kind of a really bad shooting night, slugfest of a game against a bad team. And that's definitely something you couldn't say last year. And I, mm-hmm. I know you and I, we kind of sat on this on this podcast on during that fourth loss against um, the uh, the Boston Celtics, and kind of said. You know, this is starting to look a lot like the team that we covered last year. A lot of the same similarities are there. Some bad quarters, bad halves, um, letting up against lesser opponents, uh, not shooting the ball well, and then saying the company line of, there's nothing to worry about, we're not panicking, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, it really seems like that something's, something's kind of clicked. This team is still not a very good shooting team, but they're finding ways to win, and it's not in garbage ways. They're not just getting hot from the three-point line for... Like one guy is not just getting hot from three. The only guy that's really been hot from three was Abrinas for that two or three game stretch. And Abrinas is a guy who can get hot. He's a he's a shooter. They're winning games yeah. because they're forcing turnovers and they're manufacturing points off of those turnovers because they're so athletic and they're so long and they force a lot of turnovers. So I think they found a good formula. I think this team is finally starting to realize their potential and winning games at the rate that they probably should be winning them at. Yeah, and they were saying tonight that the Thunder right now are number one in the league at forced turnovers and scoring off of those forced turnovers. So I I would say that, you know, the defense is really clicking for this team right now, and that's very comforting to see that because that was kind of a struggle at first. And, you know, you have players like Nerlens who are getting good blocks, and you have players like, I think it was Paul or Dennis tonight, had a good number of steals. Who was that? Uh well, the Thunder had 13 steals overall. Yeah, they had so 13. Pretty... Yeah, they had 13 yeah. steals tonight. They lead the league almost. They they lead the league with 12 12 steals a game, which is almost two more steals per game more than the second place team. Second place team, the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. So it, it's definitely mm-hmm. something that, you know, I don't want to say you know getting 12 steals a game is sustainable 
it's we're 10 games into the year once once you hit the 20 game mark is once you have a really good sample size and you can kind of project how that team is going to perform moving forward in the year but this is what this team tried to do last year and they did it in spurts where they would force they'd have games where they'd force you know 12 13 15 steals and a few of them actually came against golden state they were able to force i think um over 20 turnovers one game against golden state and they had 16 or 17 steals in one of those games and I think they're just finally realizing, A, how long they are, B, how athletic they are, and C, having a more well-rounded bench where, like we, like I was saying earlier, where Russell goes off the floor, but you don't necessarily have to ch- switch so much on offense, your uh, your attack mode. It's kind of the same thing on defense. Schroeder is, is basically also the same type of defender as Russell Westbrook. He always tries to go for a steal. He gambles a lot. He tries to get you with the wraparound, you know, poking the ball out from behind you. Um and then, you know, I know this is kind of a little bit of a eh, a weird take, but Hamadou Diallo, you know, he, he's good for a steal or two a game that leads to a transition basket. And just mm-hmm. his just his addition onto the team has really rounded that bench off really well and really helped the Thunder find this identity, this identity of being a pesky defensive team, leading the league in steals, getting easy buckets because they're not going to be getting easy buckets even if they set up open three-point shots so you got to like what you've got to like what you've been able to see out of these first 10 games even in some of these losses because we all knew that yeah the Thunder aren't a very good shooting team but they they were shooting poorly in some of those four losses so you got to like what you um what you've been able to see out of this Thunder team in these first 10 games yeah something I've been like incredibly impressed with lately has been Dennis and his ability to rebound uh I know that tonight he finished with seven and he is just so good. He has the hops. I call him the hops. That's what I note them as. And he's <laughs> able to out-rebound uh, just these huge guys. And he just comes out of nowhere. And I, I want to know what his wingspan is because <laughs> the arms all over the place. And he is just so fast. And he is very accurate about where he is on the court all the time. And it's just incredibly impressive. And that's kind of like another thing, what you were saying, how he plays both ends of the court real well. And kind of makes up for Russ's absence in that way because he's able to out-rebound these guys that are, you know, Steven Adams size. I think tonight he out-rebounded Tristan Thompson a couple of times. And, you know, Dennis is not exactly the tallest guy on the team. So you have to give him props for stuff like that. He's just quick and he's furious. And I love that. Yeah, the the Thunder's defense is definitely a strong suit. Uh, One of the better defenses in terms of obviously enforcing turnovers in the league. Um, Something that... Um, this team is, that's their identity. Their identity is they have Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Stephen Adams, you know, a really very, a very, very good big three in this league. And their defense all the way up from their starters down to their eight, ninth, tenth guy in the rotation play really, really good defense, um, at least from the team perspective. So a lot of good things from this win, a lot of good things for this Thunder, for the Thunder team in this six game winning streak. But uh, Madison, let's kind of take it away for um, some. Let's take it to the question section because I think we have okay. a few. Um, Sounds groovy. Yeah. W- one Want pers- me to read some off to you? Uh, really quick, somebody somebody asked before I even sent out the questions or like the tweet to ask us questions. I should say. Okay. Um, somebody asked. Um, I'm trying to find it, um, but it is going so so. Here we go. Uh, Luke Burns uh, at Thunder Up LB asked. He asked me. Um, the Thunder had 10 assists as a team tonight. I wonder if that's the lowest assist total in th- in a Thunder victory. And before <laughs> Madison, before we went on, 
and I, I told you before we actually started recording, um, but before we went on, I was hunting for stats and box scores for like a five minute span of just trying to find, you know, just random numbers. And it's going to give me insomnia, I can already tell. But I did find the answer to this question. <laughs> um, the last time the Thunder had 10 or less assists in a game, regardless of a win or a loss, was in a loss. And it was on December 29th, 2016, uh, when the Thunder were just destroyed by Memphis, 114-80. to And uh, in a Thunder victory, the last time the Thunder had 10 or less assists was when they had nine. And it was October 30th, 2013 and a 101-98 win over the Utah Jazz. So take that to the bank with all your stat hunting. I love it. Yes. I love it. Yeah. And if you want to, I guess, read off three questions. I know we got one from Mr. Chisholm. Who? Yeah. I know. Who who is that guy? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's start with Ben Burke. He is at Ben underscore Burke 10. Thanks for listening, Ben. Thank you. He asks us, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the worst, where was Felton tonight? Oh, again, I don't want to throw Felton under the bus, but I'm going to I'm gonna have to say a 2 um, because he did. <laughs> Wait, he, 10 being the worst. 10 being the worst. Okay, okay. I, um, I, I In that same vein, then an 8. Um, he, <laughs> he scored four points. In a 95-86 victory, so those four points obviously are very important. But there was that point at the end of the third quarter into the beginning of the fourth quarter where the Cavs came back, and a lot of that had to do with Felton just missing baskets. And a lot of those, and a few of those shots were early in the shot clock. Ball didn't move. It was just Felton dribbling around and trying to get his shot to fall, and it just didn't happen. Um, And it allowed the Cavs to almost kind of get the lead in the fourth and possibly win the game. Um if not for shooters, you know, just slowing things down, getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line, and ultimately winning the game. But also, kind of what we said with New Orleans Noel, he didn't really get Noel. He didn't get Noel um, involved at all offensively. Um, he had a few looks to. He ended up with two assists. He probably should have had four or five. Uh, I know two. He had two passes to Abrinas, one to Jeremy Grant. Um, and I think I feel like all three of them should have fallen. They were wide open. So he regardless of the fact that he didn't get Noel involved, he did try to get others involved, but at the end of the day, it's a results league and it just wasn't a very good game for Felton. And that is why he's the third point guard on this team. And that is why even when Russell's um, healthy, that's why you don't really see Felton get any minutes at all. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I kind of agree with that too. I'm going to put Ray maybe at like a six and a half or a seven if 10 is the worst, just because there, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about wasted possessions. You know, you have, you have a shot clock. You don't need to just like power it through when there's not a shot there and just try to get that floater or get that layup. You know, you can, teamwork makes the dream work guys, you know, pass it around, see if there's any good opportunities, make that, or yeah, make that Cleveland defense work a little bit, you know? So yeah, I think, there were a couple times that Felton really just kind of tried to drive it and take it into his own hands when it definitely should have been passed out, passed around a little bit, kind of use up that time on the shot clock before you just deliver a shot that definitely wasn't going to go in and then we have a waste of possession, you know. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. Next question comes from Brian R- Rairden. Um, if I mispronounced that, I apologize. Um, from at 10, T-E-N-N, Brian 1, asks... Uh, he says that he's not able to see many of the games this year, but how is the overall defense and has Ferguson, Terrence Ferguson progressed defensively? Um, 
Um, I don't know about Ferguson per se. I, I mean, I don't want to just come out and say no. But I yes, I do think the defense has improved like dramatically. We were kind of just talking about that earlier. I think the defense has really played a significant role in this six winning streak for the Thunder. But Ferguson per se, you know, he he's had a little bit of some quiet times especially on defense. I mean, tonight he had this really cool one-handed dunk over Rodney Hood, which is pretty awesome, you know, to see Terrence Ferguson kind of spurge like that. But on defense, I don't know. He he definitely does bring the opponents a little bit of pressure, and he's able he's been able to prevent, like, opposing teams from getting those shots that maybe should have been a little easier for them. So, yeah, you know, he stepped it up on the defensive end. Uh, overall, I definitely do think that Thunder defense has improved, and that is very significant in how the season is going to go for them. But for Terrence as a whole, I, I wouldn't really say much about his defense. The big thing for him that I've always kind of looked for is, and I know he, he had two fouls in like a five or six second span in the middle of the game. Um, my big thing for him is just basically don't get in foul trouble. I mean, he got those two fouls really quick, and he ended the game with three. So he's definitely... You know, in this new NBA where they're calling, you know, all these touch fouls now and allowing for the free, yeah, they're allowing the freedom of movement. He's at least figured out how to defend well enough to not get in foul trouble. I mean, remember with DeMontis Savonis when he was a rookie with the Thunder, seemed like he was in foul trouble from the moment he stepped on the floor. And Ferguson certainly struggled with that a few times last year yeah. when he got extended play. Hasn't really had that problem this year so far. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like, kind of like the same thing he did against Clay Thompson in, in that first game this year, where you know Clay ends up shooting really poorly from the three point line, and a handful of those were because of Hamadou Diallo just straight up defending him well. Um, but Ferguson is still able to defend, you know, off screens. He doesn't get he doesn't get bogged in in the middle of screens or just um, in the sea of bodies down in the paint. He's really good about absorbing contact, playing through contact. And Billy Donovan has said that time and time again. Um, I really like what he's able to do defensively off the ball. Um, on the ball is a little bit of a different animal, but um, I mean, that's you, you can't really expect much from a second-year player. I mean, I know he's kind of a lottery pick, but um, yeah, I mean, I, it's it's nothing. It's nothing. You're, he's not going to be taken off the floor because of his defense. He's going to get taken off the floor because he's not scoring or he's not shoot, um, shooting the ball particularly well. He plays 21 minutes. Alex Brinas gets 26 minutes, and that's kind of been the recurring theme especially in Hamadou gets what um, 13 minutes I like that I don't mind that minutes distribution at all no and Hamadou I feel like his minutes go up like here and there just kind of depending on how the game is going and I feel like that's probably how it's going to stay for the remainder of the season if not like majority of the season so I I think that sounds pretty right Mm -hmm. but let's move on to Mr. Chisholm for our final question of the night Alex showed a step back three game. Is that something that it wait, is that something that is going to a shot he takes for the rest of the year? And then in all caps, is the Alex leash being loosened? Well, when you are the only player on the team that is you, you know that you are categorized as a shooter, um, Paul George can shoot, but he's an all star. He can like Russell Westbrook is not a shooter, but he's an all star MVP. Like he's Billy Dom is not going to get mad. You know, he's not going to pull Russell Westbrook for taking a, a few threes in a game. Like, you can't get away with that. Brianus, on the other hand, is a shooter. Um, 
really he shouldn't have a leash just for that reason. Um, he's getting more and more minutes. His his play in the rotation is much more consistent, at least in these first 10 games now with Billy Donovan. That can, of course, change on a dime like we've seen over his career with the Thunder. But I, I would hope for the Thunder's sake that this is kind of the the consistency that we can expect from Alex Arenas. And like I said, I thought this was a good game for the Thunder to win. And one of the reasons was it was an ugly game. The Thunder didn't shoot well. They still won. And it's kind of personified by Alex Abrinas. The guy didn't shoot well, um, really never really got into a sequence where he was playing well on both sides of the floor back to back to back. It was really, it was really spark, like sparse from the end of the first quarter to the end of the second quarter to the beginning, like the middle of the fourth quarter. That's basically when he played pretty well or, or hit his three, three point, three, three point shots. So I like that he doesn't have a leash. I like that he is fearless with his shot, looking for shots, hitting his shots. And I think moving forward, you can expect probably a little bit more of a fearless Alex Brinas where he's wanting to take a shot like that, even though it was pretty garbage that he hit it. Hey, it went in and it's a make or miss league. So you got to be happy with it. Yeah, and Alex really is the best bet for the Thunder to get that three-point shot off right now. I mean, I know like sometimes Pat Patterson can have like that three for three night he did the other night, but I did notice I think it was the Pelicans game. You know, Billy Donovan is putting Alex out there for Terrence rather than putting Hami right out. So I think Alex is definitely having his leash his or sorry his leash loosened. That's really hard to say, by the way. His leash is being loosened a little bit, and I think Billy Donovan is starting to trust him more. I think Alex has really proved his ability to get, you know, beyond the arc and make some good shots. And he's taking a lot of chances back there. And, you know, when it comes in handy, he's able to be clutch. And I think that gives a lot of comfort to the Thunder right now. Yeah. And that's, you know, it was a boring game. Probably a one it was of pretty our, boring. Probably a boring podcast. So we're sorry, everybody. But hey. This, this, is, this is an 82-game grind. Some podcasts are going to be better than others, just like some games are going to be more fun and more entertaining than others. So we'll probably just leave it at that. That's true. Yeah. Um, everybody, thank you well, so much. For, yeah. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the OKC82 podcast. Uh, Madison and I really appreciate all the interactions, the questions, um, retweets, likes, everything. We all, we all, we both really appreciate that. This is, like I said, this is a complete grind for us too. And you guys make it a little bit more enjoyable and worth it basically just by all the things I just said, retweeting, liking, asking questions. So thank you guys so much. Heck yeah. Yeah, the Thunder win 95-86 over the Cleveland Cavaliers, their sixth straight win uh, after starting the year 0-4. The Thunder returned to Oklahoma City tonight um, at some point, probably around midnight or so. Uh, We'll turn around tomorrow night and play the Houston Rockets in Oklahoma City second night of a back-to-back um for all um from what i've heard and seen russell westbrook probably won't play but that of course is subject to change um there's probably there's probably a prevailing thought that he will probably return um saturday night against dallas um i don't know i don't really want to sit here and and guesstimate when he'd return but i think it's probably a safe bet you're not going to have russell westbrook tomorrow night but who knows the guy's a wolverine and kind of a freak so he could just suit up and play for all i know but we'll just leave it at that the thunder win 95 86 of the Cookie cavaliers uh but for miss madison morris this is brady trantham signing off good night everybody